All right. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God here. We live in some strange times, but God knew these times would be strange, and He knew you and I would be living in them. So for such a time as this, this is what God has to work with in America. And He's not upset. So don't be thinking bad. Uh, this morning's message is entitled, Wits End. You're at your wits end. So we're going to go before the Lord, and I'm going to ask, Okay, this morning's message again is to try to enlighten you, to open up your eyes, to maybe get a better understanding of the situation we find ourselves in here as the church in America, in the situation that uh, America seems to be or the direction America seems to be, be taking. And so we as Christians, as people of God, have to have an insight to know what God wants from us and what we can do. And so this is where this message is coming from, called wit's end. Did you know those words are in the Bible, wit's end? Okay, I, th I, th I just find it strange that those are in there, but they are. Psalms 107.27 says this, They reel to and fro, stagger like a drunken man, and are at their wit's end. Now, I believe that this is our nation. They reel to and fro, changing their minds, trying this, trying that, staggering around like drunk men, really not having any focus or sense what to do, and are totally at their wit's end. Wits means their intelligence or understanding. And you know what? This has been missing for a long time. Common sense. Where in the heck is common sense anymore? And so we see that when you come to your wit's end, when you actually turn your back spiritually on the things of God, you lose all those natural things God puts in you. And so we see this as a nation as a whole going on right now. Our nation is at the end of their wisdom and intelligence. They really are. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men. Wit's end literally means this. All their wisdom swallows up itself. All their shrewd plans, all their meetings, all their board meetings, all their secret cabinet meetings, all their meetings, everything that they've ever had starts to just swallow up themselves. They're at their wit's end. Nothing's working. It destroys itself over and over and over. And now we hear the term now, this fiscal cliff that we're running towards. So you can see where they're constantly uh, trying things and nothing's working. We find our nation at the wit's end going a journey with them, whether we like it or not. We're in this journey with them. And so this is where we find our nation. And so here you and I are as people of God. We've got to look to God more than we ever have before. And you know and I know that any time that you might get a horrible report from the doctor or a horrible report from uh, your employer, all of a sudden, what's it make you do? Normally, it makes you pray harder, makes you cry out to God more. If you get a call from the doctor and say, you know, that little thing we thought was nothing, it's everything, it's cancer. Normally, you get closer to God than you ever have before. And so this is what we see that I believe that the Lord is attempting to reach out and call to our nation again. Romans 1.21 tells us this. Because that, here's the reason now that we find ourselves this way. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and in their foolish hearts were darkened professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 
Now, my wife is not well today, yet I can get on my iPhone and I forget what it's called, a face call or something, and I can actually look at her and talk to her. How are you doing? Yo, you look pretty good. I mean, it's amazing. I can do that with my son in L.A., thousands of miles away. We have all this wisdom, yet we've become fools. And so God tells us we have become fools because when we knew God, we didn't glorify him. And our nation was founded upon the word of God no matter how loud they scream. It was founded and formed and fashioned, and a covenant was made with our founding fathers to serve Almighty God. Do you know that there's only two countries in the entire world that has made that covenant to God? Israel was one, and America was the other. All the rest are doing their own thing. That's the truth. That's history. So, we've become fools, and that simply means to act foolishly. Also, it means this, to become a fool when you start to ignore the principles and the Word of God and God Himself. That means the salt is losing its strength and flavor. And you and I are called to be what? The salt of the earth. And God says when we act foolishly and we get away from the word of God, we start losing that, and the salt is no longer good except for the dung heap. That's all scripture, it's all word. Now, from this Romans one twenty one, the problem is not that man did not know God. That's not the problem. The problem is that he did know him, and he refused to glorify him. He refused, so now you and I live in generations on down the road where there's multitudes upon multitudes that have no clue of God. And they're saying in 10 to 15 years that 75% of America will be like that. They're claiming already that 50% of America is like that. So this is the journey. This is where we find ourselves. Amos 4 says this, and because of this, God starts to move in a different direction or maybe a different way. And we see that now, or at least our eyes are starting to be open to this way. Amos 4 says this, and also I have withholden the rain from you. I think I said a couple weeks ago that there's 60% of America is still an unbelievable drought. And there's like five states are in total drought. Total, total drought. In fact, I think I'll read it right there in a little bit. It says it'll rain on one city, and it won't rain on the other city. And man, with all his wisdom and iPhones and all that kind of stuff, is going, man, isn't that something? And all the time, don't even realize the hand of God reaching out to us. Amos 4 says this, And also I have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. And I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and that piece whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Did you hear that part? God says, all these weird things are going on. It'll rain over there in Zanesville, and it won't rain in Newark. Crops will die in Newark, but not in Zanesville. It'll be great over in that state, and it'll be dry as heck in this state. Yet, God says, you're not even paying any attention to me. What's man trying to do? Fly in space and seed the clouds and dump this and that. And all the time, the Lord is simply asking us to turn to him in repentance. That's all it is. So it goes on and says, 
Verse 9, I have smitten you. You understand who's doing this? I have smitten you with blastings and mildew. When your gardens and uh, your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer word devoured them, yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. God does this kind of stuff to get attention. Just like if you're just, you know, going around in your life and you're not doing much of anything and something crucial, almost a death life experience or something, sometimes you turn to God and you come to God. Most of you know the testimony that I had. I worked at UPS back in 1970, long time ago, big conveyor belts carrying all your boxes. And I was the very first guy on the belt. You remember the story? And my job was to turn all the packages over so that people could read them on down the line. And we found out my hand was on a package that had six sticks of dynamite that blew up over here and killed my drinking buddy, Jack Metz. I still remember his name, and he'll never forget it. That next day, or two days after, I was in church with Ruth because I knew enough that I'd be eternally damned and in hell. And so when these things come, God looks for a people or a person, a family or a nation to turn to him. And he says, yet you still have not turned. Sandy, something that hardly ever turns that late in the year, turns like this. And the majority of the time, it just turns in bad out to sea. Well, what happens? It gets right equal with New York. And what's it do? A hard left. Bam. Hits New York full force. Does anybody have a clue in our nation? Anybody on the airway saying anything about, we need to pray, we need to get a hold of God? Nothing at all going on. That's how spiritual, numb, or maybe dense our nation has become. Twin towers fall. Churches fall for two weeks. Congress, who all should be arrested, goes sing, God bless America. What a slap in the face of God. Twin towers come tumbling down. Seven years later, the stock market falls to pieces. Housings plummet. Powerful storms. Sandy that we just mentioned. Yet, God says, you have not even returned to me. You're not even thinking of me. And in the latest, everything that's been going on this year, I keep telling God, I am. I am God. I am. And and I would, and I would say, God, how come I got to go through all this? I am. We'll get to that. Because I just saw it making this message. I mean, this was a current prayer just 48 hours ago, 72 hours ago. God, why? I don't understand. I love you. So you do understand that these storms come from God. I believe it. Whatever they are, moral storms, financial storms, social storms, and these natural storms. Psalms 107 proves it. Psalms 107.23 says this, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, for he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. God does that. Again, God says, stir up. No call it Sandy. Stir up and see if they'll call upon me now. Out of their distress and out of their calamities, out of their worry and out of their fear, see if they will call on to me. God says, you still haven't. Now, here we go. Acts 27, 9. You know this story? You should. This is the story where Paul is entering the ship, and God says, you're going to have to go before Caesar. And remember, 
they were about to sail at a time where you shouldn't be sailing? I mean, a lot of you folks take cruises. We took one. Well, when I knew that I was outnumbered and was finally going on the cruise, one of the first things I did was check the weathering pattern. When's the peak for all them storms? I don't want to be sailing when the peak because you can always get it half price, quarter price. I don't care about that. I don't want to go when it's bad. And it's, that's what it was right now. It was high peak of the various storms. Paul stands up like a preacher on that ship, like the preachers do at America should be doing, like many of us have been doing, bellowing out, warning, thundering, barking in the house of God, giving warnings. Don't! It's crazy! Don't live that way! Don't go in that direction! Just like the day in Paul. It says, now when much time was spent and when sailing was dangerous. Man thumbs their nose at God all the time. The captain of the Titanic knew better. Knew there. He knew he was entering in the, where the currents, where the icebergs were. The whole deal was to make the headlines in New York, fastest crossing. Fire up those ships, but it's dangerous. Fire up those steamers. Bam, zoom. Maiden voyage, hours old. That's what we do. We ignore God's warnings. And so here they are again, Paul standing up and saying, look, I'm telling you something. It says Paul admonishes them. This is a dangerous time. Don't set course. Don't sail. He said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the landing on the ship, but also of our lives. And here's what America does to the warnings of God and the preachers and, and your neighbors do to you as you try to witness. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. People will believe news reports. They'll believe your government. You'll believe the politicians. You'll believe uh, all these theories over the word of God. And all the time, the word of God is saying, no, 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 this is dangerous. Don't go that way. They can, we will believe the report of man. Paul was a man of God. Paul loved God. Paul was declaring the word of God. What did man do to him? Shut up his freedom of speech and threw him in the prison down underneath. They didn't want to hear him anymore. We have ignored all the warnings as a country. Our nation has lost its moral directional compass. We've lost it. We've lost it. Our nation is lost. Our nation is now being driven by the winds. Whatever direction. Because that's what happened in that storm. When Paul said, don't go there. Don't throw out the word of God. Don't pull down those Ten Commandments. Don't. Don't. Man said, this separation of church, that's silly. That's dumb. We're going to do what we've always done. Rebuild those towers. And that's exactly uh, the route that we're on. So all now, all man's institutions that he has created are failing. The banking, everything. Political system, please. Financial system, our legal system, our churches. I'm not just picking on 
us, everything, everything is failing when it's been constructed and ran and run and built by man. And God keeps going, don't, don't. And now we've hit the storm. And now America, the ship's going, and the wheel's going. We have no leaders. We've ignored it all. Being tossed and blown by the winds of whoever's in the power at that moment. Or whatever's going on. Secret meetings here, we find out. Secret meetings there. Denying this, lying about that. We're just going, do whatever you want. You want to drink, Christian drink. You want to divorce, divorce. You want to do this, do that. We're just being pastors saying, that's okay, go ahead. And I keep going, God, why am I? Why, God, why didn't I mean anything to you? Lord, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm telling God, God, we're still here. We love you. We believe in you. Don't you? Well, so did Paul. And Paul was trumped. And we keep getting trumped. We do. And so now we're on this journey with him. Just like Paul. Thrown in the brig. Out of sight. Shut up, Paul. We're going. So, Acts twenty-seven seventeen says this. And when they had taken up, now they're in the storm. This is where we're at on 17. Now when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. There's not anything left for America to do. They've printed about all the money you can. You know, they've lowered the interest rates. Man, when I was newly married, a few years married, 1972 or so, trying to find a house. Do you understand the interest rate back then? I don't know who was with me back then. was 13%. 12.5% was the lowest you could get to buy a house. You couldn't buy nothing. What is it now? Three? Two? That's, I remember my dad told me he built in 1955, and his, his interest rate was like 4.5. And he'd say, son, you'll never see that again. Oh, man. Now I would think, why couldn't I be building a house in 1955? <laughs> okay, they keep lowering, lowering all their devices, all this, all that. It's a house of cards. So now they're, they're taking up this, and they're using these helps. They're undergirding the ship, and it says, fearing lest they should fall into quickstand, strike sail, and so we're driven. We're being driven. I sure don't. I don't know if we're going to go over the fiscal cliff. I don't know. We're being driven. I can go like this. No, no. I can stand in front of Washington. No, no. I can carry my sign. Verse 18 says, and we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest the next day, they lightened the ship. Now here comes something that's absolutely crucial. And in the third day, we cast out with our hands the tackling of the ship. The what? You're throwing out the stuff that makes the ship work. You're throwing out the stuff that's the, the standard that we need. And as these moral storms started coming, these natural storms, now, for years now, we're, we're just, we're caught up in it now. There's no sails, there's no steering, there's no nothing. We're going however the current takes us right now. But before all that time, we're saying, don't do it. And then the storm started coming. They started throwing out all the standards, all the bedrock beliefs. 
all the tackling that made the thing work, that made America, America. Out went the word of God. Then next thing you can't, okay to abort. What? We got to. We're sinking. We don't know where we're going. And all the standards, all the bedrocks of belief have been thrown overboard. And now we're doing things out of fear and don't know where we're going. We're, we're trying anything. I don't know what it is. 60 million dead babies later. We're expecting God's mercy, tackling stuff that you would never throw out. Yet in the midst of panic and severe storms, coupled with the turning your back upon God, you do whatever you think. Lighten the ship. We might need that. We're going down now. Lighten it. Now it would go. Now all our bedrock beliefs, all our standards, they're gone. Bedrock. Babies have a right to live. That's a standard bedrock belief. Gone. It's gone. The sanctity of marriage. We probably lost that one just a few months ago. I've lost it. Most likely, I will be forced by law to marry two men, two women. Right? That's right. You better come visit me in the jail when I don't. This is, this, this is what we're throwing out. Everything. Everything's going out now to try to keep the, whether it's politically corrupt, I don't care where you are, who you are, what you did. This is just where we are. Biblical morality, come on. It's gone. Hardly anybody stays true to the Word of God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Straight and narrow. Come on, Pastor. You're legalistic. Bedrock stuff is gone. Get it out. It's too heavy to bear. Off it goes. Cross with it. Try to lighten the ship. And that's what they were doing out of fear, being driven, the enemy going, you're dead. <coughs> Stock market going... People will throw everything overboard in the midst of panic in the storm. Because of the fierceness of the storm, we're throwing things out that our founding fathers would just be stunned and shocked over. Absolutely stunned and shocked. Next thing is going. I don't know if it'll go in my lifetime. If you're under me, it'll probably go in your lifetime. Free speech. It's going over. It's going over to anything to try to, and the masses are going to go, throw it, throw it, stop us from going over, throw it. And it's gone. And the storm continues to raise. Acts 27, 27, it says, but when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it was 20 fathoms. This is us. We're getting closer and closer. To shipwreck. It says, and when they had gone a little further, they saw it again. They found it's 15 fathoms. It's getting shallower. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast forth anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. All their experience, all the hours they had put on the sea, it comes down to wishing for the day. Please let us see day. Please let us tell. I hope we see day. I wish we see day. I wish, I wish, I wish it might upon this start tonight. Seriously, that's what it says. Are you reading along with me? Now let's just switch to where we are. To me, that's the state of America. Us, the church, me, 
don't go, don't do it, don't shut up and get in a thrown it down. I'm in the journey with them now. I've done everything that I know to do, like you, whatever that was that you did. Okay, now we're at Luke 8, 22. So it came to pass on a certain day, this is with the Lord now, that he went into a ship with his disciples and said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Now, another name for the Lord we find out in John 1, 1 is what? The Word. That was Jesus speaking. That was the Word speaking. The Word said, New Hope, let's get in the ship. We're going on the other side. Is that a lie? Okay. That's what the Word said. 23 says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Does that mean they're still not going on the other side? Because the Lord's sleeping in the ship, does that mean his word is not true? <laughs> 24. And they came to him and woke him up. Master, master. And I'd probably be doing the same thing. Master, we perish. Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, which I am saying unto you and me right now, in the midst of this storm that you and I are in, this journey, maybe we didn't pick it, but we're in it. I say to you this morning, where's your faith? We'll get them in 2014. Where's your faith this morning? My hope is built on nothing less than and just. This is where the church is now. We're caught up in this journey. Whether we did it, whether we made it, we we're certainly guilty of it because we have not been the salt and the light that we should have been. And so our nation has taken all these wrong turns, and here we go together now. Now, in the midst, church, you cannot run panic-stricken. In the midst of these horrific storms, a window is going to open. I believe there's going to be a window of mercy still open for America. For the longest time, I kept believing for a sweeping revival. I don't know. I'm down to a window now. But I still believe that God will come to us in these last moments. He always has throughout the Word of God. When and how and how often, that's how, man, we mess up on that. But I do know that God is faithful to always come back for another try, His mercy. And I believe a small window will open. And that window might not open long, but I believe it will. And I believe God, again, will get everybody that has any sense of anything another opportunity to get through that window before it closes. Just like the door on the ark. You understand, that thing was built, what, 125 years worth of building? That door stayed open. 125 years. 120, 125 years. This window, here it comes. Paul was what? Thrown in. Now, I, I heard portions of this message years ago, and it came back to me through various things I see and hear and think. And so Paul's thrown down in the dungeon. Okay? Captive. Acts 27, 23 says, Paul's now standing up on the deck of the same ship 
he just preached 14 days ago or 21 days ago, however it was, saying, it's dangerous, don't go there. And they went, shut up, and threw him down. Now he's up on the same ship with the same congregation. He says, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not. He's talking to these people. They're going like, fear not, says to Paul. Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. And he's telling them, this is second part of this message. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Ten phantoms! Be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. So Paul went from nobody listening to him and had that small window of everybody's attention. Because they've tried everything, they threw everything over. Every standard, every bedrock, every apparatus they needed to stay afloat, girded underneath, drop the interest rate to almost nothing. And now all of a sudden, Paul's got all their attention. To the, to, listen, they threw him in. Now, Paul's saying, they're, they're laying those little boats over. They got this huge storm, they're letting the teeny boats over, thinking that's going to save them. And Paul said, no, 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 stay on board, and you'll live. Now they're listening to the preacher, and they cut it away. And bam, the ships are gone. The little things are gone, busted in pieces. That's that window, church, that we're going to have that God has set it up for us. To have that window to those hard-headed, stiff-necked people like you and I were who don't want to listen, want to sin, want to do their own thing, not glorify God. As that window gets smaller, they're going to rush through even more. So God, Paul went from a prisoner to now giving orders. No, 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 don't do that. Don't get in there. And they're listening. And that's what all these storms and ruckus and falling apart stuff is. God's trying to get them again to listen. And you're the voice. God's setting it up. It's like a big feeder production. And you're saying, well, that's insensitive. No, 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 look. 1 Corinthians 4.9 says this, For I think that God has set forth us as the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Look up that Greek definition of spectacle. Do you have that one? It's a theater. God says, they don't want to listen, then I'm going to show them. It's a theater. Look what's happening. What did I tell you? I think it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe 90% of Americans believe something horrible is going to happen. Setting it up, the theater. And God says, I'm setting it up, church, for your little window. Where no one wants to listen to you, they despise you. All of a sudden, you're going to say, look, look, man, I've been praying and you're going to have their attention. Maybe not all, but you're going to have them. You're going to speak the words of life. And you can't do this casual surface Christian stuff. We'll be panicking like the rest. We got Christians thrown over. Look, I just told you what, last week. Last week, my sister-in-law's church took the vote on whether they're going to believe in the Bible or whether they're going to believe in the Book of Order. Presbyterian Church, American 
division, I think it's called, I don't know. They voted for the Bible. Yeah, 30% of the people left. Pastor lost his job because the denomination says, we're going with the book of order. When we had her, the sister and brother-in-law, I said, let them go rent a joint in the supermarket and start a church. Presbyterians. That was, that was the bedrock at one time. Was it the Presbyterians that started Muskingum? College for preachers. Now that window, Acts 27, 37 says this, and we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. 276 souls were in that ship. You know the story, right? They all made it. They were spitting water, going under. Someone maybe had to grab one of you to pull them up. You're going, <laughs> but you made it. You know what? I don't care if I'm spitting salt water. All I want, I want to hear, and God goes, well done, welcome, and I'm saying, thank you. I don't care. I want in. Now, I hope I can go a little better than that, but if that's the way I can go, then fine. I want in. So now our God is looking for men and women in America that will ride out these storms. You see why now God has answered my prayers, actually shut me up, because I kept going, God, why do we, why do I have to do this? God, why, I don't understand. We love you. We're trying to, because it's God and man working together. God needs a voice. God knows I don't have the guts for the storm, but he'll give it to me. So God is looking for men and women of God that will ride out the storm for the glory of God. There's no, no more superstars are going to show up. No more uh, book autographing tours are going to work. We're going over the cliff that God should be glorified through these storms. This is what God is doing. All these storms that are upon us, that God may be glorified. Jesus asked them, and now he asks us. He asks me, he asks Lenny, he has every soul in this place, where is your faith? Is it in the meteorologist who predicts storms? Is it in 2014? Is it in these young Republicans? Is it in the current Democrats? Is it in the banking system? Is it in, we've always sucked it up and pulled it up. We always come through. The Lord says to you and me today, where is your faith? Where is it? Paul warned them, but they ignored his warning. So Paul also had to go in the journey of doom. Just like us, we have to go. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. You're going to go to Europe, they're worse than us. They're in a worse state than us. You're going to go to Mexico, forget it. They'd rather kill you and look at you. You go to Canada, they're as bad as us. Where are you going to go? That's untouched. And God has not called you to Canada or Mexico or Swiss Alps somewhere, or these prepper, doomers things. Forget it. It's a waste. But listen, even that show comes from the sense of what's going on in our nation, even though they don't know. They're, they believe to their best ability they're doing something to protect their family and for their country. So Paul was also in this journey of doom, just like you and I are today. We are being forced in this journey that is going in the wrong direction. 
I had to been tied, handcuffed, and thrown in and gone in the wrong direction, screaming, no, that way, that way. Shut up. All you teachers have been told shut up many years. We have only a short window open to make this difference now in our nation, and I want to know if you'll be one of those people. I want this church to be one of those churches. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this is coming tomorrow, and I don't even know when I'll, if I'll be here, because my life is like a vapor just like everybody else's. All I'm saying, from the youngest to the oldest here, open your eyes, see what's going on. Take a deep breath of the Holy Ghost to get that nerve, to get that comfort that you need. How many months and years have I been saying, God is going to, God is calling us to do something we can't do. And so now we see our situation with our nation, the way it's going. Writing's now on the wall for all to see. And now God is looking for his church to come to active duty. No more weekend warriors. No more off-duty. All are being called to the front line to be what they can be in God. Say, Pastor, what are you asking me to do? I'm asking you to pray like you never prayed before. Pray like now that you only know, pray that now that you know that prayer is the only thing that we have that works, which has only been the thing that worked forever. But we tend to never get it until we're really up against the wall. And God will have that window. He's setting it up for that window to open. Don't be panicking. It's time to look for the window. God's going to open that window just like he did for Paul. From shut up, get out of here, thrown down in here to listen. What? Cut them? Okay, we'll cut them. He said, God said. The window. Look, and all 276 souls <laughs> went through. I don't know if they all got saved, but they all went through. So as the storms and who knows what the next paper will do and what the next government law will become or the freedom of speech or your guns, I don't have no idea. All I know is Jesus is looking at me and saying, where's your faith? And I'm going to say, in you, God, in you, in you, in you, in you. Wits end, our nation. You understand, I'm talking about our nation is at a wit's end. Shouldn't be the church. Our nation is at a wit's end, and they're doing ridiculous, crazy stuff that we never thought they would do, throwing all the bedrocks, all our beliefs, all our standards overboard to try to keep the thing afloat, and we're still going. We're now being driven by the wind, whichever way it takes us as we head towards a cliff or a rock. I don't know what we're going to hit. But what now God wants is his people. Ask God this morning, you come to this altar, and God anoint my eyes that I can see the window when it comes for my family. Maybe it's just going to be your individual family where you'll be involved. I read a book that was shocking. I sent it to my brother. Stuck it in, put a note, read this, please. And I'm asking God, to open up his eyes as he reads it. Anything. Maybe a possible window. He's had it about a few days. He thanked me through a text. Thanks for the book. And I know he's a reader. Just maybe. Maybe that'll open. Do whatever God puts on your heart to do. 
come to this altar and say, God, anoint my eyes that I can see. And Lord, please anoint my ears. And God, give me what I need in season and out for whoever talks to me, whoever I bump into, whoever I speak to, that I have a word for the people that are around me, Lord, my family that I love, that window. Because you see, God's setting up the theater for them to say to you, what's going on? What's going to happen to us? And you're going to say, well, let me tell you, because you're on the journey with them. Put your faith. If you're here this morning and you are not saved, get saved. If you don't know what that means and you'd come with a friend that comes to this church, they should be able to tell you real quick. If you've come alone and there's nobody here, you pick out somebody. Please tell me. It's time to just get right with God. Okay, our altars are open. Please come, come, come to God and ask him, God, fill me. Give me what I need, Lord. Give me what I need. Anoint my eyes. Anoint my ears. God will take care of everything that you place in his hand, but place it. This is your moment. This is your time. You and God.